When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. My teammates realizing, okay, this is the head coach's son, but he's one of us. You know, we don't have to worry about whatever we may say about a coach if we have a bad day or you're out on a Friday night in Blacksburg, Virginia. Like, I'm I'm not the the spy sitting there trying to, like, uh, snitch on everybody. Welcome to this very special episode of Next Level. We've done all the motorsports interviews. We've done Jimmy Johnson, Mario Andretti, Ken Squire, Ricky Carmichael. But this one is different, and I absolutely love that it is. We sat down with head coach of South Carolina football, Shane Beamer, and with me to talk all about it. I mean, no better person than Brett Griffin. Uh, How long have you been a South Carolina football fan? Well, I mean, look, man, I grew up in South Carolina, an hour and a half from Columbia, a small town called Pageland. My earliest memories are going to Williams Bryce. Todd Ellis was quarterback. Sterling Sharp was receiver. You know, Corey Miller was a linebacker. Um, All those guys, you know, made it well beyond football. So certainly been a part of my life, my entire life. And then obviously my college years were spent at University of South Carolina. So diehard Gamecock fan. Like I (laughs) tell you nobody loves Gamecock football more than I do I know uh when I when I when we found out that we were gonna sit down with coach you were one of the first people I I messaged in terms of uh you know we've got this interview um tell me what what were your thoughts on when coach Beamer first came on to the program and and what was the program like before Beamer arrived so I actually knew a lot of people on the coaching staff when Steve Spurrier was there. Mm-hmm. A good friend of mine, Chris Matlock, was equipment manager. Jamie Speronis, who did all things Steve Spurrier, he was his right-hand guy, you know, friend of mine. And I knew a lot of the coaches, but for whatever reason, I just never crossed paths with Coach Beamer. And I knew he was an amazing recruiter. I knew he was a great people person. And obviously, he left to go do other things. Um, and when Steve Spurrier left, we ended up with Muschamp. And I was never – and I hate to say this, but I was never really a fan of his. I was never really a fan of the culture of our program, um, the, the way our players were carrying themselves on the field. So when I found out that he was leaving and that Coach Beamer was ultimately going to get the job, man, I was st- 
stoked because I knew, and here's the thing about South Carolina football, in order to beat Clemson every year, which is what we want to do, you have to win the state in recruiting. And mm-hmm. I knew Shane Beamer could come in and out-recruit Dabo and get the best players in the state, not only to stay in the state, but to come to South Carolina over Clemson. He's done that the last two years, and what did we do last year? We beat Clemson. He is currently out-recruiting Dabo again this year for this year's Rising Seniors, so um, huge fan of what he brings to the table. You know what's crazy? You never quite – I mean, you do have to think about it, but the fact that recruiting never ends, like the job is never completed, it sounds so exhausting. I mean, even walking through the facility, you could see that Shane Beamer's resume is all over the place in terms of players that have made it to the NFL, seniors that have graduated. I mean, like, in, recruiting has to be so important. Like, what what goes into that, at least from, from a fan's perspective that you've seen? I'm, I'm telling you, man, recruiting, you know, it used to be, Andrew, that you got recruited to come in and play as a true freshman, right? Now you're even recruiting juniors and you're recruiting rising seniors mm-hmm. because of this whole, you know, transfer portal thing yeah. that's, that's a part of football. And you can transfer and not sit a year. So, you know, it's – I hate it for the coaches because – they have to recruit every single day, 365 days a year. They can't not text a recruit or call a recruit on Christmas Eve and wish a Merry Christmas because yeah. guess what? Those other coaches are doing it. So I, I think the dynamic of recruiting has certainly changed a lot from a fan's perspective um, to the point of I know that Shane Beamer can go out and he can get the best freshmen that are available in our area to come play at University of South Carolina. What's going to happen, though, when they're juniors and they want either a major media market or a bigger NIL deal than what we're able to offer them? So as much excitement as I have around the recruiting side of what he's able to do for young players, I have the same fear that every other college football fan has. I mean, last year we lost Marshawn Lloyd, arguably our best player on offense. Jordan Birch, arguably our best player on defense. One went to the University of Southern Cal, one went to Oregon. They didn't even stay near here. I mean, those, those were guys raised in the South that went completely West Coast rogue on us, right? So it, it changes everything. The coach cannot stop recruiting. The same players that he's seeing at 17 years old, he may be seeing again at 20 years old trying to get them to leave Oklahoma exactly. to come to South Carolina. Yeah, so it's like even when you fail the recruiting game on the first attempt, that relationship is still not dead. Absolutely. I mean, it's ne- it's never dead now with this portal. It's always ongoing. Yeah, it's very interesting. Well, let's get into the uh, part one of this conversation with Shane Beamer. It's all about upbringing. Obviously, the son of legendary head coach Frank Beamer. Some odd jobs he may have had along his way to getting to ultimately being a head coach and, and more. Give it a listen. Shane Beamer, yep. thanks for taking the time. We really appreciate it. You, it. you were just saying that uh, you know you've spent what seven years here yeah. of your life in Columbia. I know you're a Carolina native. I mean, how does it feel to be here? I mean, yeah, no, it's awesome. Dream come true in a lot of ways. I was born in Charleston. My dad was a college football coach, so I was born in Charleston, South Carolina. He was coaching at the Citadel, so I spent the first two years of my life living in South Carolina. Uh, my wife and I got married in the summer of 06. We were living in Mississippi. But then as soon as that season was over, February of 2007, we moved to Columbia. So this is like the first place she and I lived as a married couple um, away from her hometown, which is where we were living at the time, Starkville, Mississippi. Two of our three children were born here. We had four awesome years here working for Steve Spurrier. So to be able to come back to a place that uh, you know, I was born in this state, uh, first place we lived after I got married in a lot of ways, and then to be back as the head coach is pretty cool. 
I, I mean, it seems like you've spent your entire life just knowing football. Yeah. You know, growing up in a football household, obviously living and breathing it every day now. Yeah. Is there an earliest memory of football that, that you can recall? Good question. Um, probably just uh, going to my dad's practices before he was the head coach at Virginia Tech. He was the head coach at Murray State. And um, um, probably just then, you know, I would have been, my what, four, five, six, seven, eight years old, living in Kentucky at the time, and just going to practices and watching his guys run around and things like that, going on the two away games, riding on the, riding the team bus. Those are my earliest memories. Uh, did you, I, I heard you quit football too for about a year just to travel with him a little more? To <laughs> yeah, it was one of those, um, uh, let me see. I played in fourth grade and then I moved to Virginia going into my fifth grade year. Fifth, sixth, and seventh grade, I did not play any kind of organized football. And then what the, that story is, uh, eighth grade in Virginia at the time was the first time you could play like for your school team. So I was at Blacksburg Middle School playing for the school team. And um, um, we played our games on Thursday night. But then the coach said, we're going to have practices on Friday afternoon. And I was like, oof, that's going to be tough, <laughs> tough because uh, – uh, we tra My dad travels to away games. I want to go with the team on Friday afternoons. And I was not going to play because I wanted to keep traveling with my dad's team and be around the football team. And um, uh, the coach was like, no, nah, we'll play on Thursday nights. Fridays are going to be very light, if anything. You're good. Um, and then I ended up playing in eighth grade. You mentioned traveling with your dad's team. What was your role as just a young kid traveling with the football team? Did you have a job? Not much. Um, <laughs> Uh, I did some ball boying, uh, helping out the officials as a ball boy. When I went to Virginia Tech, we moved to Virginia Tech when I was going into fifth grade. And uh, I had been on the sidelines previously at Murray State and the people at Virginia Tech, his bosses wouldn't let me go on the sideline. Oh. They were like, we're not gonna let kids down there unless they have like a responsibility or a job. And um, kind of goes to show how much power my dad had at the time in, in 1987. But fifth grade, didn't really do anything, sat in the sand, sixth grade. And then that was back in the days of when the coaches wore the headphones. Everything now is wireless, but back then you had like headphone cables yeah. that came out of the headsets the coaches wore. And then the, the cables went into like a box on the sideline. So every coach needed somebody to like hold the cord to the headphones um, to not get them tangled up. So I was like, you know what? I can do that job. So I went to him and I said, could I be the guy that carries your cord? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's a great idea. So that was my role. Seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, senior year in high school. I was like, got, was, it was awesome being with my dad on the sidelines. Uh, right next to him for every game, pretty much. You're carrying the cords. Yep. You get any practice doing that? I did. So uh, um, when I when I found out I was going to get to do that, I actually went in our garage in Virginia, <laughs> took like a you know an extension cord, plugged it into the wall, and then I just walked around the garage, you know, <laughs> pretended like practicing like it was the game. So when I went out there for the first game, it wasn't my first time doing that. You were ready, I just was like ready. the players. You yeah. had some reps before <laughs> yeah. the first game of the season. Exactly. I love that. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
you ended up walking on, as, as I mentioned, to Virginia Tech yep. and, and playing under your dad. What was that dynamic like of he's your dad, but then he's also the football team yeah. coach? It was tough. Um, you know, I was hesitant if I wanted to do it or not. I was a solid player in high school. I wasn't a great player by any stretch of the imagination. I had some smaller schools that were recruiting me uh, to come play for them as a wide receiver. Um, and then some bigger schools that talked to me about walking on as well. And then I was going back and forth and it was really probably March of my senior year in high school or April before I really made the decision, this is what I'm gonna do. And I reached out to a lot of people, coaches who had played, or coaches' sons who had played for their dads huh. in college just to ask them about the experience. Um, I ended up doing it. Um, and I think my dad and I, I think we did a pretty good job of it. When we were on the practice field and at games and in the facility, he was coach and I didn't want to be treated any differently than anybody else. Um, but when I was at home or away from work, he was dad, you know, so it was a great dynamic and it was a great opportunity to really catch up because during high school, I was busy with football and baseball I was playing and he was coaching and recruiting so I didn't, maybe didn't get to spend as much time with him as I wanted in high school so that was a great time in college to to really catch up if anything he was harder on me as a player because yeah. you know you don't want anybody to think that he's getting any kind of uh, preferential treatment but it was um, it was good you know and the, the probably the biggest thing for me was the challenge of just my teammates realizing okay this is the head coach's son, but yeah. he's one of us. You know, we don't have to worry about whatever um, we may say about a coach if we have a bad day, or um, you're out on a Friday night in Blacksburg, Virginia. Like right. I'm, I'm not the the spy sitting there trying to like uh, snitch yeah. on everybody. Not that we had a lot of bad stuff going on, but I was a freshman, sophomore in college, just like they were as well. So that was probably the biggest challenge, but. Um, not an issue, made close friends that are still you know, close friends of mine today and really glad I, I went through that experience. You said it wasn't an issue. Did it take much to win them over, like, like gain their trust? Um, I don't know if it took much. It was a process though. You know, certainly um, when you get there, because it, it was different then. Like nowadays, high school kids because of social media, all-star games, the way that recruiting has blown up. Um, they all know each other pretty much before they get to college. Whereas my freshman year of college was 1995. You didn't really know anybody. I mean, you maybe knew of people, but you really didn't meet the other guys that you were coming into that class with pretty much until you got there in July. Yeah. So it was one of those, you're meeting all these guys for the first time. And I think it was just being consistent, being the same person day in, day out, and trying to earn their respect. One, for hopefully my work ethic and, and ability to help the football team and the kind of person I was, but then also showing them that, you know, I'm, I'm a freshman just like you guys. I, I, wanna, I like to have a good time and, and uh, uh, don't want any of you to feel like you have to act differently around me because my dad's the head coach. It, you said 1995 was your freshman year. What did you major in? I majored in interdisciplinary studies. Huh. So that major at Virginia Tech, I don't even know if they still have it. Um, <clears throat> at the time, you picked, uh, I knew I wanted to get in the coaching, I thought. Okay. Um, I was very intrigued by the media world like you're in. I was very intrigued by that if I didn't get into coaching. I knew I loved sports. Um, I wanted to be, be work with people somehow, 
wanted to be involved with sports and um, I loved history. So I'm like, oh man, I've, you know, there's a lot of things, avenues you can go down. So interdisciplinary studies at Virginia Tech was you picked three areas of concentration is what they called it. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily three minors, but you took a certain number of hours in like three different areas that you focused on. So I chose uh, history because I just, I love history. Yeah. Um, I chose communications because I like the media aspect of, you know, the world. Uh, but then I also thought if you go into coaching, Shane, you're going to have to be doing things with the media and understanding how it works. That'll help you. And then um, was down to either psychology or sociology primarily because uh, knew you were going to be dealing with people, coaching, psychological, the mind, you know, dealing with minds and motivation and things like that and dealing with people in sociology. So I chose sociology. So sociology, communications, history. Got a degree in interdisciplinary studies. Man, and it seemed like you had the game plan. Going to the <laughs> freshman year, you're like, I'm going to be a coach. Yeah. Like that. When when did coaching become like this is what I'm going to do? This is the yeah. path I'm going to follow. Um, well, I was always exposed to it growing up. Obviously, the good and the bad. I mean, people remember Virginia Tech for the way it ended with my dad, but um, and the great run they had at Virginia Tech. But it was. You know, my freshman year in high school, Virginia Tech won five games. My sophomore year in high school, Virginia Tech won two games. So I saw kind of the bad of the profession not winning. And then I saw the really good too, the consecutive bowl games and all that. I saw what an impact you could make on young people, uh, the competitive, the competition part of it. I mean, there's so many things I loved uh, that I'll still love about coaching that I saw then at a young age. And um, so I was always exposed to it. And for me, it was one of those, I always kind of in the back of my mind knew I wanted to get into coaching, mm -hmm. but it was, it was like, you know, let's be really, really sure. So I finished up, um, uh, when I, I went into college, that's my mindset, that's what I'm gonna do. Knew I was still interested in the media part of it. Uh, believe it or not, I graduated in December of 99. I was trying to get on somewhere as a coach. You know, nowadays, athlete like college football teams you have graduate assistants you have analysts which you didn't have then so an analyst is like a entry-level position where you get paid but legally you're not allowed to like actually coach on the field but it's a way to get into coaching mm -hmm. back in 1999 2000 you didn't have those analyst positions. All you had were an offensive graduate assistant and a defensive graduate assistant. Those were like the entry level positions. So it was hard to break into. So I was I graduated in December. I was trying to get on somewhere as a graduate assistant. I mean, I'm sitting there writing letters. I still got them at my house here in Columbia where I'm writing a letter to Bobby Bowden, the head coach at Florida State at the time, or uh, Mac Brown was the head coach at, uh, still at North Carolina at the time. Al Groh at Virginia, whoever, just writing all these coaches to try and get on as a graduate assistant. And I was having a hard time. So in the meantime, I got offered a job um, as like the number three sports anchor reporter at the local NBC station in Roanoke, Virginia. I didn't know that. WSLS, Channel 10. So it was like one of those, sign you a contract, you'll be a reporter, uh, be like the number three guy. And I was kind of intrigued by it. I'm like, oh man, be on camera, be on television, something I'm interested in doing. Nothing's worked out with football yet. And it was one of those, you know what, I, I really think I want to try this coaching thing out. Uh, if it doesn't work out, I can always try and go back to the media world. 
got hired at Georgia Tech as a graduate assistant, started in July of July of 2000 and have never looked back, you know, never looked back and have loved every second of it. Wow, all those different avenues you could have pursued. Yeah. I even heard at one point you were a substitute teacher. Uh-huh, yeah, you've done your research on this and I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, I was. So that goes back to the time I graduated in December. Nobody had hired me as a graduate assistant yet, so I didn't have a job. Um, I still was living in an apartment in Blacksburg with three of my teammates. Mm -hmm. um, my parents are like, look, you've graduated from college. Uh, you're still living in this apartment. We're not gonna pay for you to basically do nothing for the next six months and hope you find something. So, and part of me too, just wanting to stay busy and not lay around each day. So I, um, while I was trying to get on, get, get into coaching, I, uh, uh, started working as a graduate or as a substitute teacher in the Montgomery County public school system, which is the public school system, Blacksburg, Virginia, Christiansburg, Virginia, uh, and the surrounding areas in that county. So yeah, I was a, I was a uh, substitute teacher from January of 2000 to like June of 2000. Wow. Yeah. What, what, what kind of classes did you teach? Was it all over the place? All over the place. So it was like, I'm making myself sound old, but this was like pre-cell phones. Like cell yeah. phones were really just kind of like, it was like the one you kept in the car that was like that big. Uh, that was the cell phone. So you, you, um, you had landlines. In, so I had an apartment that I lived in with three of my teammates. Like I said, we had a landline phone and if a any school in the county, so elementary school, middle school, high school, oh, like there's a lot of schools. If they needed a substitute teacher, about 6 a.m. in the morning, your phone would start ringing and it would be like an automated message. And if you agreed to come be the substitute teacher, it was like, you know, press one. If you're not, press two. So my roommates hated me because every day for like six months <laughs> at 6 a.m., the phone is ringing over and over and over and over again. And it was one of those. And sometimes you might know the night before, but it was anything. It could be an elementary school. It could have been a high school PE class or English class or whatever. Um, you just you never really knew. But it was a it was a good experience. And you know, helps me now, help me as a coach, because to me, coaching is teaching. Yeah, right. And, you know, I got an, exp I got experience with that. Plus, I was, you know, 20, 22, 23 years old at the time, fresh out of college. So, not that I'm cool by any stretch of the imagination, but I was like the cool, young yeah. self-teacher that uh, had just graduated from college and, and, uh, and uh, uh, just happened to be a former football player at Virginia Tech and things like that as well. What a crazy way, like you have no idea where your day is gonna take you. No. It could be anything. Yep, kind of whatever you want it to do. <laughs> I don't like that, but this sounds like it might yeah. be fun today, so yeah. let's do it. So you, you end up getting that job in uh -huh. football, and I know one of the resumes you didn't send out was to your dad to start your football coaching career out. Yep. Why did you make that decision? Um, just uh, kind of goes back to when I went and played for him at Virginia Tech. Um, that was a great experience. I didn't want, when I was a player at Tech, for anybody to ever say, well, the only reason he's on the team is because his dad is the head coach. Uh, so I worked really hard to not let anybody ever say that as a player. And I had been his son for 18 years, and then I had played for him for five. So I really knew what the Virginia Tech program was about. So it was really two things. One, wanted to get out and kind of see how other programs do things, learn from others. Uh, my dad always told me, and I still tell young coaches this, in this profession, it's all who you know. Mm -hmm. And it's about making connections and contacts with different coaches. So I wanted to do that. And then three, the main thing is 
coaching, like I said, was really hard to get into. It still is, but it was really hard then. And I just didn't want anybody to ever be like, that guy, Shane Beamer, the only reason he got on at Virginia Tech is because his dad was the coach or is the coach. I wanted to really go out and make my own name and uh, develop my own contacts. And, you know, I just saw no, no, nothing against any son of a coach who all he's ever done is worked for his dad, more power to him. But I just didn't want any other person in this profession to ever say, you know, that's Shane Beamer, he's on his dad's staff because his dad's the coach. He's never coached anywhere else. He, you know, he's just, he's, he's read his dad's coattails. I wanted to get out and make my own name and kind of establish my own credibility. And uh, it was hard. Like I said, I wrote a lot of letters and a lot, got a lot of, didn't get a lot of letters back, but the letters I got back basically said, we don't have anything right now. Keep in touch. We'll keep your resume on file. And um, was able to get on at Georgia Tech and, and, uh, didn't know, I knew I wanted to get back and coach for my dad one day, but I was gone for, I think it was 11 years coaching at different places before I went back and actually worked with him. You mentioned trying to, you know, carve your own path, you know, separate yourself a little bit from your dad. Of course, the first game Georgia Tech that year was against your dad. Yeah. Never got to play it because I think weather yep. got in the way. Did Sorry. you ever get to play against your dad on the other side of Never. the sidelines? Nope. That would have been it. Never. It's pretty amazing. Wow. You're right. I mean, I literally... I get hired at Georgia Tech um, in the summer of 2000, and game one that year was literally back in Blacksburg yeah. against Virginia Tech. And um, Michael Vick was the quarterback. That was Virginia Tech's first game the next year after playing in the national championship the year before. Some of my best friends to this day, guys that were in my wedding, are still were still on that team in, in the year 2000. So it was really, really tough, you know, emotionally, just going back and that's your first game. But um, had a major storm came through, lightning, all that. They ended up, uh, weather delay, ended up canceling the game. We got on the plane and went back to Atlanta. And then, no, we never did. You know, I was at, um, I was at uh, Georgia Tech, Excuse me, after that, I was at State at Georgia Tech, then I was at Tennessee, Mississippi State, uh, and South Carolina, coaching different places while my dad was still coaching. There were a couple times here at Carolina where there was chatter about maybe South Carolina playing Virginia Tech in a bowl game, but it uh, never happened, so no, never coached against him. Dang, what could have been? Yeah, have had lightning not striked in the I wrong know. time. How about that? Well, there you heard part one of our conversation with Shane Beamer. Brett, a lot of interesting things that came from that first part, even just from him talking about being a substitute teacher. And I didn't even know, almost went into the sports news world and everything like that. I mean, was there one thing that stood out to you in terms of Shane's upbringing? I think when you look at the fact that the the pedigree that the name Beamer has in coaching, yeah, especially in the South. I mean, the guy's a Virginia Tech legend. You know, Coach Beamer is Frank Beamer is to to know that his son worked as hard as he did to scratch and claw all of the way up. I mean, he talked about you know being around the football team, but not wanting to be treated any differently. Mm -hmm. He talked about going out with the football team, going out with his buddies, and and letting those guys know, hey, I'm not here to spy or, exactly. or snitch on you. I yeah. want to be one of the guys. And then to come out and literally, I mean, listen, it wasn't a cakewalk to even get on Virginia Tech. I mean, he could have went and played on a scholarship at a smaller school. So I think just the work ethic that he displayed telling the story 
just goes to show that like this guy wasn't gifted anything. He 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 got out from under his dad's wing, you know, as a player and, and, and as a coach and as a person, and he's made it on his own accord. I absolutely love that it took him so long to even send a resume to his own dad. Like you said, like he wanted to earn it his own way. He didn't want to leave any loose ends in terms of I don't deserve to be here for any reason and listen I see him and his dad a lot now together and you can tell there's a glow about Frank Beamer when he's around his son you can tell without him even saying it that he's proud of who his son has become as a person as a football coach as a mentor to these young people I mean you can just see the pride in this man's face you know it on a much smaller level, my dad growing up, he was always my soccer coach, you know, baseball coach. Like, he was the coach. And I can't imagine, like, you know, that was at a little league, you know, just local level. But he's doing this on a college level. Like, this is when it means something. And to have that, to be able to separate those two things I don't know. Doesn't necessarily seem as easy as he made it sound. No, I don't. I don't think it is as easy as he made it sound. I think he's just that good at being a good person. And, yeah. and But I mean, listen. He talked about his dad being able to stop being his football coach after practice mm-hmm. and being able to be his dad when they were in the car going somewhere else or at the house or doing whatever. So I think. I mean, listen, maybe he had the world's perfect role model growing up, and he's able to just yeah. mirror the way he was brought up. Not everybody can, but he certainly seems as a, like a genuine dude that can. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, if you liked what you heard there, part two is coming up next week with Coach Shane Beamer. Brett, you want to come back for next week? Talk yeah. a little bit more about it? Hey, I'll, I'll talk Gamecock football and anything University of South Carolina as long as you want to talk it. That sounds good. Well, uh, we'll see you then next week here on Next Level. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo. Dirty Mo.